Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I just want to take this one particular section of Scripture. And I want to give you a very scathing revelation from the Word of God. This is a people that only knew war and famine at this time. They only knew difficulty and struggle. And they had come into great celebration. And the scripture says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat or enjoy, and drink the the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. Anybody ever have someone to your house for Thanksgiving because they had no way of preparing their own Thanksgiving? This is kind of what they did. They would prepare something, and if others did not have it, they would invite them over and have a party, and they would have something prepared and share it. For this day is holy unto the Lord, unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's say that last part together. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want to talk to you for a little bit about that. Maybe the reason, if you're here today and you don't feel strength, maybe the reason is because joy is strength to the believer. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, give us a word from you. Let it settle into our hearts. Let us sense you in a very real way in this word. I ask it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. Joy seems to be a very interesting word that gets plastered all over a lot of things around Christmas time. And I would be very joyous if I had Starbucks right now while I was preaching, you know. I would just be so happy. Some people think that joy is happiness and happiness is joy, but really, God doesn't give you or guarantee you happiness. Did you know that? Of course, we want everybody to be happy. That's something that is a great experience when you come here to the house of God. We want you to leave feeling great and happy, and, and, and I don't want you to leave feeling down. But the, the interesting thing is that some of the things that God deals with in our hearts and our lives don't feel very happy. I just want you to know that, that there's things that we need to adjust in our walk with God that sometimes feels like surgery, and you don't see people leaving the hospital happy all the time. Amen? So we have to understand that the joy of the Lord is not happiness. Happiness is tied to circumstance. You know people, and I know people, that are happy when they get an iPhone XX Plus, right? You know people that are happy when they get circumstances, or their breakfast is cooked right, or they go to a restaurant and they get the meal right, but they didn't, if they bring the food wrong, oh dear Lord, help us. Have you ever met somebody that gets really unhappy if they don't eat at a certain time? They get very cranky and ornery. Remember those folks? We talked about them a little bit a week ago or so. You know what I'm talking about, the hangry people. We brought those up just a little while back. I fell into this sermon while I was preaching another one. That happens to pastors at times. When you prepare multiple sermons, have you, as you've noticed, that they all have a Christmas carol theme. Last week we talked about what child is this, that, and now we're talking about joy to the world. But the thing is, I have to understand in my life that I am not preaching for response. Hello, somebody. You remember the old preacher that used to say, I don't preach for praise. Amen, somebody. Amen, Amen somebody. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Everybody that was sleeping just woke up. 
I don't preach for praises of men. I preach the word of God, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. But the way that we have to define our joy is to understand that joy is not just a fleeting feeling because feelings come and go, and happiness is based on feeling. How do you feel right now? I feel happy. I have an emoji with a smiley face right now. That's how I feel. But even on a Sunday morning, you can come in and not feel that happy. You can come in and not feel that excited or overjoyed. You don't, you don't feel like listening to Pastor and Reese play Drummer Boy. or You're not really interested too much in, 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 in the moment because your feelings are not, not happy. But joy itself has two different sides to it. There's, there's some natural joy that has to do with feeling. Like, I feel joy in my heart. I can get joy from my grandchildren when I look at them playing or if my son accomplishes something, like he first did some things and I was excited this week. It was a first for him. And I had joy in my heart. That was a, a natural joy. It was a, it was a happiness that I called joy. And, and while that feeling can be, can be there and disappear very easily, I want to define for you what supernatural joy is today. I want to give you the ability to understand that joy is not just a fleeting moment or defined by your circumstance because God does not come to make you happy through your circumstance. He comes to give you joy so that you can live for him through every circumstance. Amen? And so being a definition guy like I am, I looked up joy. And joy in the dictionary says a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. So there's three things that it says about joy. It's a feeling, it's pleasurable, and it brings happiness. How many know that's a shallow definition of joy? Because I see places in Scripture where they weren't having very good feelings, they definitely were not in a pleasurable moment, and they truly were not happy with the situation. But the Bible says that they had joy of the Lord. Very interesting that we see that. In Galatians 5, through 24, we see that the scripture represents joy as a fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love. Everybody say joy. Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all of those other things are in there. But it gives joy as one of the most important fruit of the Spirit. And I also found out that whenever you're looking at Nehemiah, the scriptural text that I gave you, Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So joy is supposed to be your fuel. How many drove a car here? How many had no fuel in the car to get here? You wouldn't be here, Right. I set you up for that question. You have to understand that joy is the fuel of your Christian life. It literally goes in the tank of living for, when you try to live for God without joy, you will be miserable. It will look like nothing but sacrifice to you. The way that you live through sacrifice and the way that you live through giving of yourself and serving God in the kingdom is you have to understand that joy is not a feeling. You may feel like putting the Christmas giving tree up, or you may not feel like it. You may feel like doing different things around the house of God. You may feel like doing different things as gifts to your family or not. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes down to serving people, there are times when you feel like serving, and there's times when you don't feel like serving. There's times when people smile and say, thank you for giving to the Lord, and there's times when people don't have a thank you at all for you. But you just keep serving, and the reason why you keep serving and don't become bitter is because you live on the joy of the Lord, not the smile of other people 
approval or the approval or the pat on the back or the good job from pastor. You're actually living and serving God because your work is done unto the Lord. And if you're going to do it unto the Lord and stay focused on God, you have to set your focus on something that's eternal. And joy comes from an eternal spirit that fills your life. God said, I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost. And when I give you the Holy Ghost, it's going to come with certain gifts. And within those gifts is the ability to produce joy. Joy is from God. Amen, somebody? And joy is given from him. There's several scriptures about this. John 15 and 11, we hit throughout this sermon today. We talk about the joy of the Lord. And I just want to read this scripture to you. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. His joy. Jesus' joy. <laughs> Sounds like a bumper sticker. I got Jesus' joy. I just had a, a moment here where my brain said, say something. And I, my mind said, no, don't do that. And that your joy might be full. So he's like saying, I want your, my joy to remain in you, speaking to the disciples. And they're like, wait, wait, your joy? Your joy is supposed to be in us? How is that going to happen? And he's like, wait, but there's more. If you live in my joy, if you live in my presence and with me, you will have my joy the presence of God in us brings joy that cannot be taken away from this world. Amen? My grandmother used to sing it, if the world didn't give it to you, the world can't take it away. And then she would preface it with, this joy that I have. Remember that? And everybody would get up on their feet and like, oh, go ahead, sing, sister. Remember those good old times where you didn't have to have all the songs dialed in in Ableton? You didn't have to have all the worship band? You didn't have to have a wall of guitars to get people to praise? All you had to do was sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound, the saved a wretch like me. And somebody would say, that was me. I was lost. You don't know where I came from. I know you think I'm not doing so great right now, but guess what? You should have seen what I used to do. I may only cuss once in a while, but I used to beat people up. <laughs> That's where some people are at, literally. They're like, I've come so far, you don't even know. And yeah, I'm, I'm working on the cussing. I'm not saying I'm doing that. You understand. I'm speaking in third person. I, I don't have cussing problems. Thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't have to come get my license. Anybody listening online from the World Headward Network of Prayer is praying for me right now. I just, I know that the joy of the Lord is misunderstood because people think happiness is joy. And if they get certain things in their life, if they come and they serve and they get approval or they do th certain things and, and they get what they want, they, they get the expectations that they were looking for, then they're happy and they say, well, I'm joyful. I, I feel the joy of the Lord. But if joy is not a feeling, then what is it? Joy is a heart posture. Joy is a place that you set yourself regardless of your circumstances. The Bible says, set your affections, which is a heart thing, on the things above. In other words, set your affections on eternal things. And when you do that, it causes you to set your focus on the things that never change. Changing in life is a fact. You're going to change. Your spouse is going to change. Things are going to happen to change in your life. There's going to be differences that come along and change everything about you. And if your happiness is wrapped up in a person or a circumstance, when that changes, your happiness is gone. But joy when it's tied to Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah, somebody. It cannot be taken. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away, my grandmother used to sing. And she meant it. I've noticed, hear, hear me carefully because I don't want to sound like a grumpy old man. I've noticed that joy is often low 
when entitlement is high. When you feel entitled to something, like, you know how much I've given? You know why? I deserve to be here. I deserve to know. I, did, I deserve to be involved. Whenever you have a lot of entitlement, when you have a lot of expectation that you deserve something, deserving people often have low joy. When they think, I deserve something, you need to give me something, there's very little joy. And when you do give them what they want, I've watched people that, that don't deserve it, that have been given something and don't say thank you because they expected that they were going to get it. So joy is often low in places where entitlement is high. Sometimes what blocks you from receiving joy from God is that you were expecting or you, were, you felt entitled to receive something. And so I want to make sure you understand that when I identify joy as a definition of feeling uh, pleasurable and, and happiness, that is not the joy that's spoken about in the scripture. And I'm going to give you a revelation today, one that I live on. I hope it'll help you live on it as well, because it's very powerful. And it's one, it's one thing that, that the scripture allows joy, it allows joy to be used in a certain way from the scriptures that, that no, other, no other object or no other feeling or no other opportunity is given other than um, this particular opportunity is given to joy. So let's go to Hebrews 12 and 2, because I want to show you that particular revelation. And I want to talk to you just a minute about the power of using joy to help yourself. Joy is not a feeling. We, we established that. It's a heart posture. And that heart posture, when set, that joy speaks something to you when circumstances get difficult. When you're unhappy with your situation, if you have the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord will say two things to you. God's got it, and I trust him. Joy will start speaking to you. The Holy Ghost will rise up in you and say, do not fear, do not be afraid, and do not worry. God's got it, and I trust him. Amen? The Lord said this, Look, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, this is Hebrews, obviously, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, he starts it, he finishes it, amen? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God on the throne, the right hand of God, of the throne of God. Sorry, I'm jumping back up to the part ahead above there where it says the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So you're telling me, Pastor? that Jesus hung on the cross because of joy? Think about the power of joy if it, can, if it can cause one to celebrate through suffering. The power of suffering, and we understand sacrifice. I'm really having a hard time seeing my notes without these lights. We're gonna figure something out. God bless you, Jesus, for helping me through this. Uh, love you, Lord. Sacrifice is not based on, on happiness. Sometimes we sacrifice things and, and we, we, we know we're going to get something better. How many sacrifice, have sacrificed for your work? How many have sacrificed going through school? How many have sacrificed money and time for somebody that you knew you cared about and you loved? Oftentimes, sacrifice is based on love. How much you love something or how much you love someone. Think about the promises of God, though. In Acts 1 and 8, it says, Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Let's put Hebrews on the side for a minute. Let's come back to Hebrews because that's where the revelation that God gave me is when I was praying for this sermon. And yes, I did pray a lot for this sermon. So if you're not feeling it, something's broken. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm only playing. Power of the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you, you will receive something. The Bible says it'll make you a witness 
The word witness comes from the Greek word martus, which can be translated as martyr. The power of God in the Holy Ghost gives you the ability to become a martyr for God. That doesn't sound like happiness to me. That sounds like a lifestyle promise where there's going to be power in your sacrifice. That whatever you have to give to God, he is going to give you strength through his joy. That Jesus gives strength. If you want more joy, you need to get more connected to Jesus. That's the fact of scripture. If you want more joy in your life, maybe it's because your, your connection to Jesus is not as strong because you can have happiness that can come from different life events, but whenever it talks about getting through sacrifice, when it talks about getting through struggle in the scripture, it always references places where the Holy Spirit gives you strength through the joy of the Lord and the fruit of the Spirit. And so the Spirit-filled life is a bold sacrifice of giving of everything in yourself, of giving all that you have. Paul said he was willing to spend and be spent for the gospel's sake. That, that is not a normal term that we use in modern day churches. Spend yourself till there's nothing left. That is not something we normally use. We talk about balance and we talk about um, dedication that is, is given in a space where you can rejuvenate yourself. But Paul said, I'm willing to spend myself and spend myself. It is an emptying of oneself to fulfill what God has called you to do or become. It's emptying out yourself. And the only way that you can even survive that is if you live your life in joy. If you have the joy of the Lord. Amen. It's a spirit of sacrifice that God asks us to have in Scripture, and the only way to live that life is to live with joy. I'm sure there's details surrounding many of your lives that I don't know, places that you've had to sacrifice, places where you've had to give up things, but let me just go real quickly through a few sacrifices where people walked with the joy of the Lord. You remember Peter and Paul? They were both martyred in Rome. It wasn't a happy time for them. <laughs> about AD 66 during the persecution under Emperor Nero. Tradition has it that Paul was beheaded and Peter was crucified upside down at his request since he did not feel worthy to die the same, in the same manner of his Lord. How do you live a life that's exuberantly joyous when that is what you're looking at for your end. They knew they may be killed for the gospel, but they had a joy in their heart. They had a, a place where they served God from that came from the power of the Holy Ghost that you can't get in this world. You can't get, so that's the thing. That's the first point I want to make. I've already made one point. This is my second point, that Jesus is the joy that's generated in your life. Jesus is joy, so we have to understand that Jesus generates joy and he is the only joy. He is the only joy. You cannot say that I'm just joyous. There may be moments of happiness where you feel overwhelmed with that happiness and you can say, well, that feels like joy. But if, if joy of the scripture, if, if Christian joy is not a feeling or just a pleasure or just a moment of happiness, then what truly is it? It is Jesus Christ in us. He is literally the joy that is generated in us. It comes from him and it can only come from him. And so many people are 
searching for joy outside of Jesus. And it's a, it's a fleeting thing. It's fleeting feelings. It's, it's, it's momentary happiness. But when we get a hold of Jesus Christ and when we know the Savior in which we serve and when we know the God that would never put us in sacrificial moments without giving us the fuel of joy in our life to get through it, we know that he comes with a fire and he comes with a voice and he comes with a power. And when we begin to speak in other tongues, when he fills us with the Holy Ghost, we realize that that tongue is also given to us for us to pray when we don't understand. Joy comes from knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. Joy comes when you don't have the answer, but you know the answer. Joy comes when you find yourself in the middle of a situation and you say, God's got it. God's got me. He got me through the last situation. He'll get me through this one. My joy stands up and says, God has got me and I trust him through it. I trust him through it. So what you have to understand is these men were following Jesus. They had joy nearby. And just as they had joy with them, so do we. Andrew went to the land called the land of man-eaters. It's what most now thought would be Russia. Surrounded by former Soviet states, Christians there claim him as their first to bring the gospel into their land. He also preached in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey and in Greece. He went to those places with great bodily harm where he, it said that he had been crucified in those areas. D Doubting Thomas, remember him? Doubting Thomas was possibly the most, the most active in the area of east of Syria. Tradition has him preaching as far east as India, traveling and preaching the gospel. I know those were dusty roads. I know those were hot days. I know those weren't happy moments, but he had the joy of the Lord in his heart, Angie. He had something driving him greater than the sacrifice he was having to give. The spending of his life was, was not nearly as important as carrying a joyous gospel to people that didn't have everything, but could have it all in Jesus Christ. The ancient... Marthoma Christians revered him as their founder in India, and they claim that he did there, what he did there when he was there was, was changed the world. He turned that area of the world upside down, and they claim that he died there, pierced through with a spear of four soldiers. He gave his life for the gospel, Amen. Philip may have had a powerful ministry in North Africa and then in Asia Minor where he converted the wife of a Roman proconsul. It re in retaliation, the proconsul had Philip arrested and cruelly put to death. He reached people that ended up being the loss of his life. He gave of himself. You can't do that without Jesus' joy. Amen, somebody? Matthew, the tax collector, the writer of the gospel, ministered in Persia and Ethiopia. It is through, it is through him that he gave so much of a beautiful story of Jesus, but they thought that he was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew, what had, now this is a really celebratory sermon, isn't it? We're seeing all these people give their life to Jesus, but this is what joy is all about. 
joy to the world was when Jesus was born. The angels sang it. They said, peace, goodwill toward men, that Jesus was the joy given to men because he was going to give them the ability, the fuel, the opportunity to live a life that took sacrifice and they could do it with a happiness in their heart that came from joy. Remember Paul and Silas being in the jail? What made them sing at the darkest moment of the night when their feet and their hands were in stocks? What made them say in a scruffy preacher voice, let's sing unto the Lord? Well, that's a good idea. You're in prison. You're probably going to be executed tomorrow. Why should you sing a song of praise? Because they had the joy of the Lord in their, in their life. They knew that this life, as Paul said, this life is to serve the Lord, but that life is gain. If I live, it's Christ, but to die is gain. There is so much to be given to us in the joy of the Lord. Bartholomew was a widespread missionary. Travels were attributed to him in traditions into India and also Armenia. He was all over the place. This guy traveled like a madman. He packed and shipped and sent himself to Ethiopia and southern Arabia, and there he was skinned alive and crucified. Joy to the world. This doesn't make any sense to me. How do you have joy and live a life like these men did? It's because they had Jesus on the inside of them. Simon the Zealot, the story goes, ministered in Persia and was killed after refusing to sacrifice to the sun god. Matthias also, death by burning. John is the only original apostle thought to have died a natural death of old age. Even then, his life was no rose garden, spending the duration of his life on the Isle of Patmos. He was in prison most of his life. Just so you know, I'm not preaching a story that tells you that sacrifice is easy, but sacrifice is impossible without joy. It's impossible to serve the Lord with gladness without joy. We have adversaries in our world, spiritual adversaries, the flesh and the devil, they conspire against us to stop us. The, the devil's not interested in the, in the nominal Christian believer that comes to church once in a blue moon, that maybe, maybe prays once in a while at a red light while they're sitting there, or, or maybe spends a little bit of time giving sacrifice. The devil's not really concerned about that. He is very much concerned about the individual that's sold out to Jesus Christ, that's willing to give their life and spend themselves. And so that's why he tempted Jesus in the wilderness because he was testing him. He was asking him to bypass Calvary, the most difficult thing that Jesus could do. If you put Hebrews 12.2 back up there, I'll give you the revelation that God gave me when I was praying through this sermon. I was praying, God, give me something to say to this body because I don't want them to just sit through another sermon. I want them to, to know that they can live for you with all their heart. And I said, there are people that may be going through some of the most difficult times of their life, either financially or in their relationships, and they may walk in that back door this Sunday, and they may, they may need to hear from you, Jesus. And what would you have me tell them? And he said, remember preaching last week about peace? And when I took you to the scripture that said not to worry about the things of tomorrow, for they have trouble for themselves, that you're not supposed to fret and have anxiety and worry about what's coming tomorrow. He said, there's things. He said, I've promised that I've taken care of your tomorrows, that you can trust me with that. He goes, but I want you to give something to the church. I want you to give them an understanding that I give them the opportunity to take joy from their tomorrow. 
that nothing else is allowed for you to steal from tomorrow. If you steal money from tomorrow, that's called debt. And it robs you of today. And then they put a percentage rate on it that you can never get out of it. They put a 25, 30% rate, and then you become a slave to what you stole from tomorrow because you don't have the money to catch up. You are literally taking money from your future and putting it into your present to buy something that makes you happy or doing something that you need to do right now. And so the scripture has very real words to speak about regarding debt and taking from tomorrow and putting it into today. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. In other words, he's saying, I'm here right now. I want you to be aware of right now. I want you to live in the present. Don't take tomorrow's worries and put them in today because you'll rob the joy out of today worrying about tomorrow. And so he said, but there is one thing that your Christians can do to get through the present moment, to know that I'm there with them, is they can borrow from tomorrow. They can borrow joy from what's coming ahead of them. They can borrow joy from their heavenly hope. They can borrow joy from what's next in me because what I have have to give them is always better tomorrow than it is today. I will take them through their sacrifice. I will take them through the places of struggle. I will take them through the places of hurt. And when they get to that point, let their joy speak. God's got this. Drop an anchor in the middle of the waves and the storm and the tossing to and fro of government and life and all the different things that we see happening in our world. Just stand and be trusted in the things that God has given you and Know that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you have an opportunity to borrow your joy from tomorrow. That's what Jesus did to stay on the cross so that he could purchase you, so that he could purchase me, so that he could pull himself up by nails in his wrists to take one last breath and say, Everything to this point and everything in the future back to this point will be forgiven and will be finished. Lungs full of blood, diaphragm collapsed. He reached and pulled himself up, putting even deeper splinters into the stripes he bore for our healing in his back. And when he pulled himself up, oh, this is a Christmas story. I am not losing you right now in a story of tragedy. This is a story of joy because Jesus hung on the cross because he borrowed from tomorrow's joy. He said, for the joy that is set before me, I can get through this because of the joy that is out ahead of me, because of the joy of being in relationship with the one that I love again, because of the joy of fathers and mothers that will have marriages reconciled because they let Jesus step in the middle, because of the joy of prodigal sons and daughters coming home to Jesus Christ, because it is finished, because I I got through this because of joy that I borrowed from tomorrow. That is the revelation I bring to this pulpit today, that if you are sad, if you are struggling, if you're going through it, guess what? 
tomorrow has joy for you to borrow. Tomorrow has an opportunity for you to say, if he's got me in his hand, nothing can take it out. Joy that God gives cannot be taken away. In fact, someday I'm going to step on streets of gold. The thing that they say to invest in right now, I'm someday going to walk up on. I'm going to step up to the crystal sea and I'm going to look off into the distance and see the golden throne where angels are singing round about it. Seraphims and cherubims singing holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And I'm going to say there is the one who gave me joy. There is the one who got me through it. That is the one who I borrowed from so that I could be here today. My celebration in heaven will be already started on earth because I will have borrowed from that moment all of my life. I will have borrowed from the moment that my salvation ushers me through those gates made of pearl and I stand in his presence saying thank you. I was man. I, was, I had foibles. I had problems. I had difficulties. But your grace was sufficient for me. Your grace was good enough for me. Your grace brought me and I am now saved and standing in heaven. Because I lived on the joy of this day. When you give yourself to the joy of tomorrow, nothing today can stop you from living happy in the presence of the Lord. There are moments that I celebrate. I was decorating the tree at work. Sorry for the personal moment. <laughs> I was celebrating Christmas in my heart. We went out to lunch. Everybody said, we need a Christmas tree. They all looked at me. <laughs> Who's going to get us a Christmas tree? Well, I happen to be the one that celebrates Christmas a lot because I love Jesus. And the joy of the Lord just kind of is in my heart. So they all turned to me and said, Joe, get us a Christmas tree. <laughs> so I went and got a Christmas tree, and I am decorating it. And I got my earbuds in, and I'm listening to worship music, and I'm listening to Christmas music. And they don't know it, but they're all working over here and over there. And I got a tear running down my face because I have the joy of the Lord in my heart. Right in the middle of a work day. There's all kinds of things and busyness going on. There's all kinds of stresses and difficulties and changes of this and that. And we got to get this out the door and this has to happen and that. And we got to get a cert certificate for this university and this. And while all this busyness is going on, I'm standing in the middle of it with Jesus' joy just celebrating my Savior, hanging bows on a tree. Forgive the personal analogy, but you put yourself in any situation you want to. You can stand in a fiery furnace and have Jesus meet you there. Jesus shows up because he will show up when you make him the center of your focus. The reason why people don't have joy is because their focus is constantly moving to what makes them happy. If this makes me happy, that's what I focus on until that doesn't make me happy anymore. How many will admit that you've had happiness in a situation or, or been happy about something and then about six months later you realize I'm not really happy about that actually. Have you ever had that change happen to you? It does happen. And so that's why I wanted to pull up that scripture that talks about it. Jeremiah 15, 16. I want to hit this scripture for you because I want to give you a little bit of an example. Thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy. Everyone say joy. 
and the rejoicing of my heart. My heart was literally rejoicing because the song I was hearing as I was decorating that tree was a song that had scripture in it. The word of the Lord was actually giving me joy in that moment of busyness. And you put yourself wherever you want to put yourself. But if you'll hide the word of God in your heart, you can be in the most difficult situation. And joy can show up through God's word because that's what it says in the scripture. Jeremiah was saying that I did eat them. Thy word was unto me joy. Amen. His word was joy. And the reason why so many Christians don't have joy is because they're hungry. They're spiritually hangry. They're not feeding themselves on the word of God. How many have had moments where you were confused and you just walked into a room, sat down and opened the word of God and began to read it. And when you got up, you were not only happier, but there was a joy in your heart. That's what's taking place in the church when there is no joy. What you've done is you've been sacrificing. You've been giving, but you're starving your spiritual man of the word of God. You are hangry spiritually. You are upset because you are not giving yourself the joy of the Lord. And joy has to be eternal. Look at Psalms 30 and 5. So the joy of the Lord is our strength. We know this. And the word brings joy to our life. For his anger endureth but a moment. And his favor is life. Everyone say life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Joy cometh in the morning. I'm grateful. I want to give you the supernatural definition of joy, and then I'm done. I hope this has helped you in some way that you can borrow from tomorrow whenever you feel a lack of joy in your life. A supernatural definition is to delight in the person, the purpose, the plan, the placement, and the provision, and the people of God in your life. Rejoice in Jesus being in your life. Rejoice in his purpose being in your life. Rejoice in the plan of God, not our plan. Sometimes he changes them. But be willing to rejoice in God's plan. When he closes a door, he's going to open another one, Tanya. When he, when he says something else, God's going to do a plan that works, and he's going to sustain you in that plan. And rejoice in that placement by God. You're here, every one of you are here for a reason. You have to understand that. You encourage somebody when you come to the house of the Lord. When they look over and they see you, when someone sees me wrap my arm around my wife and say I love her in her ear, they're like, oh, love's still alive. Praise God. There's some encouragement with love. There's encouragement with worship. When, you come, when we come in here and we see Carla worshiping, you're like, man, she's got exuberance. I want a joy of worship like that. You can, you can actually encourage each other by your presence here, by your placement also, provision, being able to give where you can give, provision, and then the people of God where you, can, where you can be accountable and encouraged in the house of God. I'm thankful for the joy of the Lord. How about you? Let's stand together. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. Yes, there's great power and sacrifice. But you will never survive the sacrifice if you don't have joy of the Lord. I've seen a lot of people come and go from churches, and no matter what comes and what goes, I've found one thing that's true. 
supernatural joy will get you through life because it's, his, it's the source. You set your affections on the Lord, on things above. So the only way to increase your joy is to increase your relationship with God, to spend time in His Word. So living is the secret that everybody wants. Everybody wants to know how to live great lives. How do I live an awesome life, Pastor? How do I live a good life? Well, living is joy. If you don't have joy, you're not truly living the life that God wants you to have because the Bible says that He came to give us life and that overflowing, or that more abundantly, the King James says. So if God came to give you life and that more abundant, the only way that you can live it is with joy. And so the secret is living is joy. And joy is produced when you are fruit-bearing. And you cannot bear fruit unless you abide in Jesus. And you'll never abide unless you obey his word. And you'll never obey his word unless you fall in love with him. And you'll never fall in love with him if you don't know him. If you don't know that he wants the best for you. If you don't know that while you were sleeping last night, he was singing over you. If you don't know, like Reese said this morning, that he wanted you here more than you wanted to be here today. That he wanted you in his presence so badly that he rejoices. I had a little meeting with some friends of mine and I closed with this. We were talking about some spiritual things, ways that people think about God, how he's always angry and he's not happy with us at times. We were talking about how God loves us and how much he loves us. And I came across this two times with two people this week, so maybe God wanted me to say this, and I really feel like it's led of the Lord. I had one person say that I struggle with the love of the Lord. I struggle with knowing that God loves me because I'm imperfect. And I don't know if he truly can love someone like me. And I sent back the text message and I said, if God ever loved you, he loves you no less or no more right now than he loved you then. Because he cannot increase and he cannot decrease and still stay God. So as much as he loves you, then he loves you now. And I was sharing with a couple of friends and we were talking about love in the heart of a mom and I remember an unfamiliar scene to me because growing up we were so transient we didn't really have time I changed schools sometimes two three times a year but I remember going over to friends houses and they had younger siblings and there would be the most ugliest picture stuck on the refrigerator and it was in writing that you couldn't even understand, but mom knew what it said. It was like, how, what is this? They're like, well, that's, that's a horse. And I said, well, it, it looks like a spaceship. It doesn't look like a horse, but that's a horse. And the smile on my friend's mother's face was pure enjoyment over something that was absolutely, the colors were running off the page. I mean, they weren't even in the right places. Words ran up and over. 
and you went to capitals and small letters, it didn't matter. You know why? Because it was created from the heart that loved mama. It was created from a heart that was loved by mama. So what was created went on the refrigerator for everybody to see. Was it perfect? No. But it came from their child. And when we come to God and we expect his love and happiness to be anchored to how good we do it, we don't even understand the beauty of love in the heart of God. Because he gives us joy, not because we're perfect. He gives us what he gives us because he loves us. And our efforts to love him back may be stumbled, may be colored outside the lines, may not even make much sense, but it's coming from a heart that truly loves him. And he says, I'll put that on display. I'll let the world see that. I'll call them my child. I'll love them with everything. I'll put my joy in them and I will celebrate them in front of anybody who walks by or asks me, do you know my servant Job? He lost everything. And in that moment, joy was his fuel. And he stood up and say, and said, though he, he giveth and he taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And though he slay me, yet will I serve him. That is a child of God. God was proud of him. And in our imperfections and in our moments of striving toward heaven, he's not mad. He takes everything that we have and he dips it in red colored blood at a cross called Calvary. And he puts it on his refrigerator in heaven and said, look what my child's doing for me. Look at how beautiful this creation. Look at how marvelous they are. Look at how amazing they are. I have joy toward them. He joys over you today. Joy to the world is simply that, that Jesus came because he loved us so much that he didn't want to live without us. And he brought us joy to get through life. Would you bow your heads with me, Jesus? Someone in this world, room right now may not even quite understand how much you joy over them, how much you celebrate them, how much you love them. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you'd give somebody the revelation of joy through you that this joy that you have, no one can take away. And that you love your children and you are exuberantly happy over us. You're so excited to see us. We're welcome in your presence. You said, come boldly to the throne of grace in your time of need. We have access to the King, regardless of how we approach him. If we come faith believing with thanksgiving and with gratitude, not expecting, not entitled, but just walk into your presence, Jesus, and say, joy, I need some more of that. God, peace, I need more of that from you God I need some more of your great gifts in my life I celebrate you today Jesus and each one of us thank you for putting our work and our trials and our errors and our and our hopes and our love for you thank you for putting them on the refrigerator door of eternity and celebrating us even when it was imperfect because we did it for a perfect Jesus thank you for celebrating us we celebrate you now in prayer I don't know what rocks life has thrown at you, but maybe you could build an altar with those rocks. 
and celebrate the Lord today. I'm opening this altar. If you need more joy, come and get it from Jesus. Your joy is in your connection to Jesus. Your joy is in your connection to the Lord. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, today can be your day. It doesn't take a lot of work. It just takes receiving the gift. A heart open, a heart desirous, wanting it more than ever. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of the Holy Ghost. For in it is joy. And we trust you today as we sing and we celebrate you in our life. Come on, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Come and get your strength today. Come and grow in your supernatural strength. If you have happiness, come get joy for your next moment. If you have sorrow, come borrow joy from tomorrow. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus right now. Think about the Lord. How he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me. Come on, sing it as a prayer today. Lift your hands and just celebrate the joy of the Lord. Oh, when I think about.